Hey, Fed Heads, welcome back to another episode of Sharing Our Pairings. Uh, I'm your host, Trip. With here, my co host, Dennis. We're live on Facebook, broadcast around the world on the Armed Forces Radio Network, and of course, available on uh, whatever your favorite podcast catcher is or the old YouTubes. Um, we're here tonight for, of course, another pairing, as, as we always are. Um, so, what we're pairing tonight is a new cigar. It came out, I think they shipped the beginning of February. Um, so that's about when we got them. This is the Villiger. Come on. I got to cover up my whole face here and it's still not working. It's the beard. It's all the textures of the beard, right? Maybe that's what it is. Uh, whatever it is. It oh, there it is. There we go. The Villiger La Vencedora, uh, which I think they did a really good job with the branding on these. I like the uh, like the dark kind of badass look. Um, it's so clean. The, yeah, it's nice looking. So this is the follow up to the... Uh, Florida Inkland, which did really well last year. It was on a lot of lists. Um, and unfortunately, I didn't get to it until after most of the list came out, until we uh, had already submitted our list and everything. But it was it was very good. And this is their attempt at making a like truly full-bodied cigar, which I don't think Villager's ever really done before. Um, so to give a little background on La Vencedora, so it, it was actually a pre-Castro Cuban brand, which I didn't know about. Um that was owned by the American Tobacco Company. Villiger acquired the brand and then released a mild to medium cigar with a Ecuadorian Connecticut wrapper, um, which I never, I don't recall ever smoking that one. I, it's possible that I smoked it. I just don't remember. It was around from 2005 to 2012, and then uh, this year they, of course, announced that they were bringing back the brand as a full-bodied cigar. So. The blend on this is all Nicaraguan. They don't reveal really anything about the binders and fillers, um, like like no information other than Nicaraguan. And the wrapper is Habano Oscuro from Nicaragua, of course. And uh, these are actually made by uh, our good friends at Hoya yeah. Nicaragua, which I, I didn't realize that they were making cigars for Villiger until I read this. Um, and the available sizes are Robusto, Toro, and Churchill, and those are all like the classic sizes: five by fifty, six by fifty, seven by fifty. So, what do you think of the cigar so far? It's uh, I'm letting it warm up a little bit, actually. I'm not going to say anything just yet. Uh, although I have to note the the light and the burn on it instantly was just easy and very clean draw on it too. So that yeah. gives me a good feeling for for how the rest of the cigar is going to go. All right. So what I get from it, I get. Uh, some it's very spicy. It's got some serious black pepper going on, especially on the retrohale. It's really got like that red and the red and white pepper that like lingers on the retrohale. And like uh, if you don't like spicy cigars, this thing might kick your ass. It's got like a a really rich dark earth kind of flavor and a heavy sweetness that I can't identify yet. Maybe that's I what it was. I able to figure out what it is. You know, I thought it was a little bit wet, but it is sweet. Now that you point it out, I, I think that's that's exactly what it is. It reminds me of like, uh, I don't know, like brown sugar kind of. It's got like a grittiness to the sweetness. Maybe maybe I'd describe it as chalky. No, I'd describe it as gritty at this point. I'm getting I'm some to, like, uh, out. like a raisin almost. Oh, yeah. There's definitely like a, a dark stewed fruit kind of note, like a raisin. Yeah. And I should mention before we get into the show, if you guys haven't watched... Uh, our B-roll footage from IPCPR last year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it dropped today, and it's pretty great. Um, thanks to Cigar Surgeon for hooking it up and editing all that, because he shot last year. Um, and it's, I don't know, I can't tell if it's as funny to everybody else who's not in it, um, but we've had a pretty good response from the people who are, uh, you know, making mistakes and dropping F-bombs in it. I really enjoy it. Always fun. <laughs> um, so... Our first pairing, we're, are we both doing the same thing for the first pairing, right? I think we should uh, kick it off there. Yeah, let's do it. I'm down right. for that. Um, so the first pairing is, so uh, if you're not a member of the media, you may not know this, but you'll see the pictures all over the internet. So uh, Villiger, when they send out media packages, they always, in the past couple of years, they always send a bottle of liquor, which is a really nice touch. It's like, you know, it's a nice kind of like, hey, here's a thing for you kind of thing. Uh, but what it's really about is it's about finding a liquor that pairs really well with it and then bringing attention to that pairing. And so with the Florida Inkland, as we, we talked about it on the show a while ago, um, they sent a bottle of Zafra rum, which was very good and paired really well with cigars. And then this time they sent us a bottle of Gentleman Jack. 
And of course, because the mail comes to me, I can't cut this bottle in half and ship it to the other guys. So unfortunately, Dennis had to go buy his own bottle that doesn't have this fancy engraving on it. It looks nice. It looks really nice. Yeah, that wasn't that wasn't on there last time. I think it's a really nice touch. Um, and also, it's a great uh, it's a great branding opportunity for them because that way I have this bottle sitting in my bar, and every time I pick it up, I'm going to think about this cigar every yeah. single time. So let's. I'm going to talk about Jack Daniels a little bit. Jack Daniels. Uh, everybody in the world has had Jack Daniels. Uh, what do they call it? Sour Mash Number Seven or whatever. Yeah. Whatever the moniker they've given it is. Um, and as probably most people know, the thing that makes it different from like bourbon is that it is uh, filtered through charcoal. So they they take they make their own charcoal, which is kind of an interesting thing. Like I saw. I'm trying to remember where I saw it. I saw it on some TV show or something, uh, like one of those travel shows where they were they were at the distillery. And at Jack Daniels, they they have a team of people whose job it is to just set a a pile of pallets on fire. Um, and they're not actually pallets; they look like pallets, but they're made out of specific wood from specific places in I think Tennessee. I feel like it's uh it's a maple, right? They use maple for it. Uh, if I'm I not mistaken. So yeah, sugar maple. Yes, they use sugar maple for it. Um, so it's not like a regular pallet. You're not going to find these pallets in the aisle at Walmart. Um, Home Depot. But they look like <laughs> pallets. The way they, the way that they construct them, so that they, they can just stack them up and set them on fire, and they just light right up. And there's a couple really interesting things about that. The first one is that they have this company somewhere. I don't know if they do it themselves or not, but those pallet things are made exclusively for Jack Daniels because they go through a lot of that. Um, and the, the whole thing that makes Jack Daniels Jack Daniels is that it they burn those, turn it into charcoal, and then they have this 10-foot-tall vat that every ounce of Jack Daniels that's ever hit a bottle filters through those 10 feet of coal, um, which they say brings out some smoothness. Like it, you know, It's like a, a giant charcoal filter. Uh, charcoal has the unique property of being able to pull uh, substances out Anything that's carbon-based can be pulled out, and it uh, attaches itself to those carbon molecules in the charcoal and ends up filtering out a lot of like impurities and stuff like that. That's why we use charcoal filters in our refrigerators and you know water dispensers and stuff like that. Um, and Gentleman Jack, the distinction there is that Gentleman Jack is filtered twice. And it's actually the only whiskey that they filter twice out of like the, I don't know, they probably make 15 different whiskeys. At, at this Daniels. point, I think so, yeah. Uh, they, it's got to be at least of, 15. Yeah, they have a lot of different versions of Jack Daniels. Um, and from my understanding, this is exactly the same as regular Jack Daniels, just filtered twice through that charcoal instead of only once. Um, I forgot to mention that they were founded in 1875. So they just a couple years ago had their 150th anniversary, which is, or no, 120th anniversary, right? Now, now my math is all off. Um I don't know. I can't do wasn't math. There, right. uh, wasn't there some contention with that too? They were supposedly yeah. they said that they were the oldest registered distillery in the U.S. And then there was some contention with Maker's Mark and some other people. Yeah, I think uh, so. It's right. still unclear, right? Because um, before, I mean, obviously there were distilleries in the U.S. before 1875, but I think you're right. I think they were claiming to be the first one that had a license for it. Because um, obviously before the 1900s, government wasn't all that big. In the U.S. <laughs> what government? <laughs> um, and so another really interesting thing is, so they own they own their own cooperage, so they make all their own barrels, they char their own barrels, um, and because they're doing all of this barrel charring, they're burning all of these pallets of sugar maple, they actually have their own team of firefighters, which is <laughs> kind of awesome. Like, it'd be pretty cool for that to be your job. Like, uh, <laughs> you know, a chick at a bar says, what do you do? And you go, I'm a firefighter for Jack Daniels. I only <laughs> fight fires for Jack Daniels. Um, and the interesting thing about that is they have their own fire team, but uh, they've never had a fire in their entire history, which is crazy. <laughs> um, I've got like all these cool fun facts. As of 2015, actually, this is, this is one of my last fun facts. As of 2015, they had 87 warehouses on the property. Sweet 87. Jesus. That is Each a lot. one has approximately 1 million gallons of whiskey aging inside of it. And they build two to three new warehouses every year because their Whoa. production is constantly going okay. up that much. It's insane. 
I knew Absolutely. they had a lot. A lot I had no idea every year they kept making more of them. Yeah. That's nuts. Crazy. And like, I just imagine this distillery. I think they have, uh, I think it was like 40 stills or uh, no, sorry, 40 uh, fermenters. And then they have 87 aging warehouse. That's insane. And that's just like, like, I just pictured like this one building where they make the whiskey and then just a hundred buildings where they <laughs> are aging whiskey at various It's just stages. a massive farm of buildings. That's crazy. Um, and then my last fun fact about Jack Daniels is that uh, technically it's bourbon. They choose not to call it bourbon because they want to call it Tennessee whiskey. Um, but the, I mean, the only real difference between Jack Daniels and uh, a bourbon is the charcoal filtering. And so they want to differentiate themselves from bourbon um, by calling it Tennessee whiskey because it's charcoal filtered. So I'm going to take a couple sips. Um I mean, Dennis, you've already been taking a couple sips, so maybe... Oh, I've, I've been... This is usually the point where I would let you talk about what you're drinking, but uh, we're doing the rare occasion where we're drinking the same thing. Yeah, but, I, I've, I've been ferociously talking. sipping on this thing. So let, me, let us uh, know what you think. Well, I was just going to say one more quick thing on Tennessee whiskey. Fun fact for you guys. Uh, 1941 was the year that the federal government actually recognized it as a real thing. So it's kind of cool. Not as cool as the the massive amount of storage that they have, but... So it only took them like 66 years <laughs> for Tennessee whiskey to actually be a yeah, thing. But hey, at least it happened, which, as we all know, getting the government to agree on something is not always Never. the quickest or easiest, right? So now that I've been sipping on this for a while, um, there's a definite, definitely noticeable difference between this and, say, a standard Jack Daniels bottle. Um, obviously, the easy thing to point out is, for me at least, it's pretty smooth. Uh mm-hmm. But the finish is a lot lighter, and you actually mentioned this before the show, that it, it is lighter. There's something yeah. definitely different about it. This is like a friendlier version of regular Jack Daniels. Mm-hmm. Like Jack Daniels isn't like a fancy whiskey at all. It's a very, um, I would call it a humble whiskey. It knows it's yeah, cheap whiskey. That's a good way to put it. Um, and it just, that's just where it lives. Most people mix it. Most people don't drink it straight. Um, like on the rocks or mixed is where most people are partaking of their Jack Daniels. Um, This kind of softens all the rough edges that Jack Daniels has and makes it a little bit friendlier. And I think that, you know, honestly, the the caramel and the vanilla flavors really are more pronounced versus, Mm -hmm. you know, standard. Because with the standard Jack... Oh, that's a a good point. It's a little little sweeter than regular Jack Daniels. Yeah, it's definitely not as bitey. And I think that's why, because it's not as bitey, the flavors are allowed to kind of come out more. Uh, for me, I'm getting tons of vanilla. That's pretty much almost all the flavor that I'm getting from it. Obviously, some caramel, um, but mostly vanilla. Almost like a taffy, like a vanilla taffy flavor. Yeah, there's a lot of vanilla. It it has a little bit of oak, but not as much as the regular mm-hmm. Jack Daniels does. Um, and I'm I'm just talking about Jack Daniels based on my memory. I haven't had Jack Daniels oh, straight really? in like like I haven't had a bottle of Jack Daniels in probably two years. Are you a Jack and Coke kind of guy? Uh, I used to be. Before I started drinking whiskey straight, now I yeah, I basically okay. just drink whiskey, maybe a Manhattan. Fair enough. So for all you people out there that uh, love Jack and Coke, like if that's your go-to, next time you're at the bar, feel free to call it a Lemmy. So apparently, oh. I didn't realize this, but after after Lemmy died, um, they all the bartenders, bars, whoever, started adopting this this new drink, basically Jack and Coke, but they call it a Lemmy now in honor of, of Lemmy from ACD. Uh, AC, motor, I thought of Ace of Spades because I have the record yeah, on my wall. <laughs> I know. I knew what you were thinking of, but still, I had to call you out. Um, yeah. Let me, huh? Yeah. The, the Jack Daniels, I, I think it goes really well with the cigar. I think uh, I think Villager made the right choice in the the liquor they decided to pair with. It. I, I think it works very, very well. Um, except for, like I was saying, I think I kind of cut you off when you were trying to mention it. The finish is very clean, almost too clean for me, but it's got like some bitterness that sits in the middle of my tongue. And it yeah, just I'm getting there. the same. Like, I took a sip uh, maybe a minute ago or so, and I still have that like dry bitterness um, in the, just in the center of my tongue. Like it's very strange. It feels almost like uh, if you've ever had like a, a Szechuan peppercorn, you know how those numb your tongue? Oh, yeah. It feels like that down the center of my tongue with bitterness. Very strange. Hmm. Yeah, I'm definitely getting the same. It's uh, If you put these two side by side of this and a regular Jack, put them side by side and you had them, you could definitely tell maybe not what they were, but you can tell that there's a definite difference there. 
Yeah. Um, and like I said, it's been a while since I've had regular Jack, but I don't I don't think regular Jack has that finish on it. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it doesn't. Yeah, I think uh, I haven't had it for a while as well. But from what I remember, um, yeah, I think you're right, man. And how do you think it's pairing with the cigar? Oh, fantastic. I Exactly what you said. It was great of them to to put the pairing together. It seems to work really well for me. Um, and the, they're just not fighting each other. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. I, a lot of I times you'll the, pair uh, something and you'll get that clashing. Well, it does. I find the um, – so, I mean, so for me – the two things that make a pairing is what it takes away and what it adds. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Gentleman Jack takes away the sweetness of the cigar a little bit, but it it makes the spice a little more complex. Yeah. Um, there's a couple different layers of spice that I'm getting on the palate. Uh, like it starts off with like a, a red or white pepper kind of like burning almost. And then the finish of the cigar is very, very long. I still taste it now, um, but it, it's like that intense black peppery kind of finish which i really like i love a peppery cigar and it oh, i'm a huge like a fan too. cigar this is this is going to be a cigar that you'll like a lot and the nice thing with with the jack is you know if you take a sip and you you take a draw on the cigar and you retrohale i feel like it amplifies the retrohale it makes it a lot nicer it's a different kind of spice it's still in your face and strong but it's uh slightly different tell me what you think yeah let me try that i tried to do it in the reverse order because I was already smoking the cigar, um, mm. and that was an epic fail. It didn't work. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It, I think uh, it works really nicely. Kind of like on the palate, it doesn't intensify it. It doesn't like kick it up a couple notches, but it adds more levels to it. Like you taste more sweetness and more uh, more earthiness in that retro yeah. hit. Oh, definitely the earth comes out. All right, before we move on to our break, which we're going to take in just a second, I just want to give a couple shout outs to people who are watching. Uh, Bob Langmaid is watching. Uh, Evan Kirshner. I met him uh, last weekend at an event with Steve Saka. And Jack Dawson from Dallas, Texas. Thank you guys for watching. We'll be right back after a quick message from one of our sponsors. Brought to you by Gurkha Cigars. Gurkha Cigars, makers of the world's finest cigars. Try the 93-rated Heritage featuring a Rosado, Ecuador, and Habana wrapper, Nicaraguan binder, and Dominican, Pennsylvania, and Nicaraguan fillers. Blended by Gurkha's blending team at American Caribbean Cigars, it's hand-rolled Nicaraguan available in 35-count boxes. Talk to your local B&M about the Heritage today, or talk to them about other fine Gurkha cigars. Whatever your taste preference is, Gurkha has a cigar that's right for you. And we back um, pairing the Villager La Vencedora or the Victor uh, with we just finished pairing it with Gentleman Jack. I think that was a good pairing. Um, like I said, that that bitterness on the tongue of the Gentleman Jack just kind of won't go away. It's very weird. But I'm going to move on to my next pairing, which my next two pairings are kind of stuff that I've had on the show before. But I thought would pair really well with the cigar. I smoked one yesterday in preparation um, just to market research. Yeah, just to do a little bit of homework and figure out where it lies. I actually almost switched out this pairing um, for a different beer that I'll feature on a show soon. Um, but I forgot to put it in the refrigerator this morning. So it wasn't cold for the show. And oh, I, can't, I can't do it with a warm, well-aged Saison. Um, oh, yeah, that would be. Yep. Um, so my next pairing from Oscar Blues. Oh, yes. Is the classic Death by Coconut. Um I mean, if you want all the details, you can check back on our previous show. I'll run over my notes here. Um, they're founded in 1997. Um, they ended up, through a bunch of stuff, they ended up getting some more facilities and uh, ended up moving to Longmont, Colorado in 2002. Um, and they're um, the big thing that we always talk about when we have Oscar Blues, they are kind of known as the godfathers of canning craft beer, which is very important. And uh, I, I really like canned beer. Um, and I think that they've, they've changed the perception over the course oh, of about 20 years. They changed the perception of actually the course of about 18 years. They changed the perception of canned beer, uh, which I think is a big deal. And, uh, if you've ever had a craft beer out of a can, you have them to thank cause they were the ones who pioneered that. Um, but onto the beer death by coconut is a Irish Porter with, man, I keep turning it the wrong way and moving it. There we go. Um, it is an Irish porter with coconut and pure liquid cacao from a company called Chalaka um, that makes pure liquid cacao um, for for uses in cooking and stuff like that. 
uh, clocks in at six and a half percent ABV, twenty five IBUs, and I'm gonna take a take a couple sips of this sweet, chocolatey, coconutty goodness. God, I oh. love that beer so much. <laughs> I know, oh, man, too. it's I so good. And unfortunately, it's a seasonal release. Like it only comes out once a year. Yeah. And if you miss it, it's gone. I've been lucky this year. I've managed to get my hands on on quite a bit of it. So, and but I, I know we've we've had droughts in New York, man. People are just buying it up, and you have to trade, and you have to ask around, and kind of oh, yeah. you know backdoor kind of deals and paying double for the can but let me tell you it's worth it and here, people out there that have had it know that it's worth by. it um here i can get it in a couple of different grocery stores sometimes um but when it comes out you have a good like three week window where you can find it at any decent beer store which is perfect so oh, i'm gonna i'm gonna fantastic. take a couple sips while you talk about your next one yeah so i'm i've been sipping on this now that i finished my my uh gentleman jack i've been sipping on this and i'm loving it so far with the cigar and let me show you guys. It is the Lost Tropic Hop Mimosa Cider. Look at that focus. My camera's finally working. Well, that good. sounds interesting. Yeah, we should point out, if you haven't noticed already, <laughs> Dennis got a brand new camera this week. I had no uh, choice. I had to. Because things were getting <laughs> real dark last week. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Dark ages, man. I just want to say this. You probably I don't know if you can see it in the uh, in the focus, but the texture of this label is insane. Like these these labels like are matte really. Finish, right? It's it's a stippled finish, actually. Oh, yeah. I it's really, that. really nice. Uh, the artwork is phenomenal, too. Really, really beautiful. It comes from uh, Graft Cidery. They're in Newburgh, New York. And they, they're pretty new. They opened in uh, 2016. So I guess they opened the, their doors officially in November of 2016. Uh, and they're fairly small. They're really not huge production. But they've been pumping out these really crazy experimental ciders. Essentially, if, you like, if you're a beer guy but you're not sure if you want to get into cider, these guys are for you. Almost all their ciders are insanely hopped, or they have some kind of weird variety to them. And the cool thing is they all do a wild yeast fermentation. So that's kind of nice. It's different. Yeah, that's cool. I, I haven't found a cider that's hoppy enough for me. I've, I've had a lot oh, of right? hopped ciders, but I feel like they're always like hopped like a, uh, like a classic Pilsner style. Like uh, hopped to 25 IBUs and that's it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you get a little bit of that like crispness from the hops, but um, it doesn't... You don't get that like IPA level of hops. I want a cider that has <laughs> IPA kind of double hops. dry hopped cider. Yeah, exactly. I think we're we're starting to see a revolution happening, and I think those really heavily intensely dry hopped ciders are going to hit the market soon. People are everyone's demanding it, uh, and it's it's really it's beautiful, man. Yeah, cider cider is huge here now. We've got a couple of local places um, that are like there's a cider brewery kind of couple miles from me um but we've stopped by there a couple times to have kids lunch with the kids or whatever um and they have like 30 or something ciders on tap i mean nice. they make their own they right. have guest taps too um and they have like a crazy crazy selection for cider um which is cool i haven't had anything there that was like all right i'm a cider guy now but I've had some real good stuff there. Give it give it some time. I really think that what's happening right now with IPAs and the milkshake revolution and all this stuff, New England style IPAs, right? That style of revolution, I think, is coming to the cider market. I'm, I feel like we're going to see some crazy stuff. And I just wanted to mention quickly about this cider, particularly the hops. Uh, this is hopped with Citra and Vic Secret. So Vic Secret is from uh, Australia, and it's predominantly used for flavoring. Not very bitter, mostly a flavoring hop. Uh, tons of pineapple, tons of passion fruit. And the other thing they put in this was uh, orange and grapefruit zest. And now that I've let this oh, sit so for about half an hour. Part comes exactly. From. Yeah. I've let it sit for about half an hour. And as it's warmed up, it tastes like grapefruit soda. If, if you guys have been in the Caribbean and you've had um, Ting, that's a grapefruit soda from the Caribbean. Oh, yeah. that tastes exactly like this. It's fantastic. And it's pairing really well with the cigar. A lot of that spice from the cigar and then a lot of the, the sour notes from the cider really are blending nicely and they're kind of leveling off each other i think which is good um so i'm finding unfortunately um oh no death by coconut's not pairing as oh. well as i hoped uh i feel like death by coconut goes really well with like a very sweet very rich dark earthy cigar and this isn't that this is a kind of sweet but mostly like spicy cigar and it it just eliminates the spice completely from it um i get almost no spice from it now i think i uh i think i screwed up with this one. Oh man 
I guess I'm getting some weird flavors from the cigar. I don't know. Um, maple syrup. Bear with me on this. This is going to sound ridiculous. Maple syrup with cocoa mixed together. Oh yeah, I, there's definitely I some chocolate in there. It's it's very it's very light. Um, it doesn't stay on the palate for too long. But the maple syrup I, is really coming out, and not in the sweet sense of the maple syrup, but in that like woody, richness. nutty, the richness of it. Exactly. Yeah. And considering I always say this about any cigar I smoke because I smoke really fast. Considering how well this thing is smoking, uh, I'm beating the crap out of it, and it's smoking great. So that, so that speaks volumes already. I'm getting an interesting flavor. That this is going to be another like bear with me kind of flavor. <laughs> uh, spicy citrus with like a chalky kind of sweetness. Like it reminds spicy me of uh, of grapefruit a little bit, but then there's that spice and uh, like a. Mm. So here's what it reminds me of, and this is like one of those things that like it may seem like I'm kind of reaching, but this is the thing that comes to mind. Uh, have you ever had a grapefruit where you cut it in half and then you use the spoon to like break it up? Yeah. And then you cover the top with granulated sugar. Yeah. And then you eat it. It yeah. reminds me of that. It's got like a little oh, bit of that okay. citrus, uh, that citrusy sourness. And then a little bit of like sweetness on top of that. That's like hmm. a kind of a dry gritty sweetness. It's so like a grapefruit with maybe like some turbinado on top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I could definitely see that. And I, I could be jaded as well because I'm drinking a grapefruit-forward cider right now, so maybe that's why, but I can definitely see that. Yeah, and especially on the retro hail now. It reminds me of uh, the first time I had a Viaje Leaded. The Viaje Leaded yeah. had a lot of that like grapefruity, lemony kind of almost bite to it. but with Like a zest. Sweetness. Yeah, like a zest. Yeah. Um, and I get a lot of that from the second third of this, which I'm surprised by. I wasn't expecting mm. a citrus from a, a dark, all-Nicaraguan cigar. And it's not as strong as I'd expected. Um, like I, I wouldn't call this full-bodied exactly. It's full. It's definitely medium full plus. Flavor, but it's medium plus. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm getting the same. It's got a lot of flavor, but it doesn't like I don't feel any strength from it. Uh, it doesn't seem like it's got a lot of nicotine. Um, but again, that's like back to that conversation that we have frequently. The relationship between uh, strength and body and flavor are are three kind of distinctions body and strength kind of go together but the flavor is a completely separate aspect and i i think they should have marketed this as a full flavored cigar rather than a full bodied cigar yeah yeah the body is definitely medium plus uh, and that's not to say that it's not flavorful because it definitely tastes wonderful yeah and we're going uh, to certainly nuanced break. we're going to take a quick break for one of our sponsors and then we will be right back this show is sponsored by Cigar Oasis. Don't spend all your time worrying about your cigar wrappers cracking, splitting, or falling apart from humidity fluctuation issues. Set it and forget it by choosing Cigar Oasis, a professional solution which provides equal distribution of humidity with precise electronic controls. Monitor your cigars through the internet using the smart humidor Wi-Fi attachment. Why don't you spend all your time enjoying your cigars and relaxing and let Cigar Oasis protect your cigars. Cigar Oasis has solutions for any humidor. Make sure you set it and forget it today all right and we're back um i'm gonna take a quick sip of my gentleman jack to clean my palate here man that uh i don't know if it's after tasting that death by coconut or if it's the cigar or if bitterness it's, came out I, no like it's fruity and sweet now oh really yeah like okay. way sweeter and way more like fruit forward mm. um but i'm gonna talk about my last selection here which i need to finish this bottle off unfortunately um, this is Brugal 1888. Um, oh, yeah. And we, we had a, a little bit of this when we were in the DR a couple weeks ago, or a couple months ago, I guess. Um, and we had the, what was it called? The Siglo de Oro, like the high-end yes. Yes. rum from Brugal. Man, that was fantastic. Um, but if you haven't watched our previous episodes, where I've, I think this is the third or fourth time I've had this rum on. And it's uh, as you can tell, it's getting uh, getting kind of empty there. So I think it's about time to retire this bottle, um, by which I mean finish it and buy something <laughs> else. Um, uh, if, if you're not familiar, there, there hasn't previously been a lot of information available, available about Brugal. Um, they're a Dominican distillery, and they're, they're, as we found out in the DR, they're very popular in the Dominican Um like that's kind of the if you go yeah, everybody in, loves it that's the go to yeah if you go into any restaurant and you order a rum you're going to get a brugal um and that's kind of what they think of as 
as their the rum of the Dominican Republic, which I was surprised by. Um, and there's there's not a lot of information available on this specific bottling, other than it pays homage to their founding in 1888. Um, what I do know is it is aged eight years in bourbon barrels and then six years in sherry barrels. Um, so it's 14 years old, and it has this wonderful dark color. Like it's pretty. It, it is dark, and it's got a little reddish hue from the sherry. And I like I I picked it up on a whim, and I adore this rum. I think it. I've heard it marketed as, or I've heard it described as a rum for bourbon drinkers, which I kind of agree with. It's got, um, it's interesting because the sherry finish is way more, way closer to like a scotch. Um, but the flavor of it with the sweetness and everything, it, it really tastes closer to a bourbon than a scotch. Uh, and you don't get as much sherry influence as I would expect. But I'm going to take a couple sips, let you talk about your final pairing. So I was just thinking about my final pairing, trying to figure out how I feel about it. Um, <laughs> I, I, I lo- it's a beer, so that's no surprise. Uh, and it's a double IPA. Double dry hopped, I should say. So this is the... Oh, you're getting glare from my... Oh, Sitmo. Okay. The Sitmo so from Shabin. Before, before you describe it, does that mean it's uh, dry hopped once with Citra and once with Mosaic? Absolutely. Oh, and now I see on the bottom of the label it says that. Oh, does it? I didn't even read it. <laughs> Yeah, E equals MC squared, and the MC is mosaic and citra. Yeah, oh, I, I, you know, it's funny. I didn't even read that. I've had so many of these cans, and it's phenomenal. <laughs> these guys are from uh, Walcott. I think it's Walcott, right? Walcott, Connecticut. It is. Okay, Walcott, Connecticut, and they were established in 2012. And I should say this beer comes in at 8.3%, so this is a proper double IPA. Like, this is the standard sessionable double IPA. I was going to say, yeah. I... I Eight, well, for session, for session is barely a double, in my opinion. Well, I guess you're right, especially now with the market, the way the market's going every yeah, year. Yeah, I feel like it's not it really a double until it hits nine, <laughs> nine uh, plus. and then a triple really starts at eleven. Like if you have a ten and a half percent, that's a double, man. Yeah, the triple is about eleven for me too. I feel like that's really the starting point for it. Uh, and so this does have mosaic and does have citra, but it also has something called the and I've talked about this before. This is the uh, 007, the Golden Hop from Idaho. And it, it was grown back in uh, 2015. And it's kind of funky because it has these weird like Earl Grey flavors, uh, really zesty orange and tangerine. And it's pretty bitter. It's uh, mostly used for as a bittering hop. Uh, and that's the first thing that pops out of this beer, especially now that it's sat for, I guess it's 40 minutes now. It's sat and warmed up and it tastes like tea, really like Earl Grey tea. Uh, and it's phenomenal. But these guys, I'm so impressed. I, I started to get into Shabin recently. Uh, I just saw them in the store, picked them up on a whim, and they're really cool. And I, they've been producing some very interesting beers. They're actually known for their – I didn't know this. I just found this out. They're known for their cannoli beer. Cannoli, eh? Yeah. So, that so, sounds like some stuff dude, that I need to get into. Let me tell you. So from, from 2012 to today, roughly to today, uh, they've produced – at least a million ounces of this cannoli beer. And uh, they make it with like cream, nutmeg, cinnamon, vanilla, grains from Europe. And if you get it, if you go there and you order it, they have variations of, of different, like it's the cannoli beer, but it's a cherry chocolate cordial or a um, chocolate orange variation of it. And they add sugar and powdered chocolate. Wow. I was actually really, weird, really cool. worried that you were going to say that they add cheese to it. Oh no! You know, like, oh, but I mean, cheese would be cool. Cannoli is cheese-based. Oh yeah, um, which works really well in a pastry. I feel like cheese would not work well in a beer. I have yet to make a beer with cheese, but I think I'm on a mission now. <laughs> I'm gonna get me some Stilton, and I'm gonna make a uh, double dry hopped IPA with Stilton. <laughs> Could be good. I drink it, but it sounds awful. You never know, man. But so these guys are cool. They do a lot of experimentation. Uh, they made a cucumber wasabi beer. They have this IPA. I haven't had it yet, but it sounds awesome. It's a New England IPA, and it's called Baby Seal's Dance Party. Yeah. And they have a Sean White IPA, which is a white IPA. I'm, I'm trying to put together Baby Seal's Dance Party. The label looks exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> I mean, it, it's pretty wild. So the thing that I'm picturing is that it's a club for seals, like a play on clubbing seals. I think so. Yeah, like I think that's the whole seals that point. go clubbing. Yeah. Um, it's the know. reverse. Any, any yeah. joke that involves seal clubbing, <laughs> I, I enjoy. 
they're uh, I'll send you some stuff, man. But definitely, if you're on the East Coast, look out. They're really starting to build their distribution now. They're not available in too many places, but they're I feel like they're growing, and I'd love to see them in more places and, and maybe stretch out to the West Coast because they make uh, these days. You know, everybody makes an IPA these days. It's it's easy to get into the IPA business, but it's hard to stay in it. And I feel like these yeah. guys have some good product that would really put their name out there and keep it there. Yeah, it's um. I mean, that's an interesting thing about IPAs. It's very easy to get to make an IPA that people will try. Yeah. It's very hard to make an IPA that people will buy six packs of and keep in their fridge. And I feel like the consumer in general is now more aware of, of this thing called an IPA. Even lay people that are not necessarily beer folks, uh, they know what an IPA is and they have this expectation in their mind. So if you give that person a beer and you call it an IPA and they don't like it, uh, you've pretty much lost your that, that person as a customer mm-hmm. now it's tough it's a really it's a proving ground and i feel like where we are with ipas today like i said before i think ciders are going to start making their way out as the new proving ground for uh brewers interesting possibly i can see that happening um so the brugal it's i can it's smell very it from here sweet. man yeah it's very <laughs> sweet for this cigar um man i just noticed it's like i don't know if it'll focus but it's got some serious legs it's like that level of actually. Now that I think about it, when we got the glass of uh, the Brugal Siglo, it's Siglo. very similar. Yeah. Where you you do the little you know fancy switching around thing, and then you sit there and you're like, wow, that's got no legs at all. And then, and then, they then show up. after like 15 seconds, it finally starts to drip, um, and it's like, oh no, it didn't have no legs. It had just coated the entire glass yeah. and stayed there. It's impressive. Um, so it's got like a really, uh, it's very sweet. But then you really get some of that like vanilla and smoke from the bourbon barrels with a little bit of that uh, kind of fruity sweetness from the sherry barrels. I love and, sherry additions. I think it's it's uh, such a nice way to round out the flavor. Yeah, yeah. Really rounding it out is the perfect way to put it. Um, sherry really rounds out the flavor of a whiskey. Um, it doesn't add. Like, yeah, it doesn't take away necessarily. Element, but it adds a little more complexity to the sweetness part of it. Um and I find it's actually really bringing out that grapefruity sweetness that I was mm. talking about before in the cigar. I think my final pairing, unfortunately, is going to have to go the way of your uh, Death by Coconut, sadly. Yeah. which is, It's too bitter. I mean, the Death by Coconut is particularly sad because I absolutely love <laughs> this beer. Um, it just doesn't go with the cigar at all. Mine just has this like really intense, not even a bitterness... I, I realize it's the flavor of the hops, but I wouldn't call it a hop-forward bitterness. If I gave this to somebody and they didn't know what it was, their first thing would, would be to say, wow, this is uh, this tastes like over-brewed Earl Grey tea. And that's not to say badly anything bad about the beer, because the beer itself is killer. Just with the cigar, the Earl Grey flavors and some of the zest really just kind of doesn't play too well with the cigar and uh, takes away from a lot of the flavors. Yeah, that makes sense. Um and it's time for us to take our last break. But, of course, as eagle-eyed viewers know who have been watching for a long time, we don't go anywhere for this break. Who is this break bought to us by, Dennis? This break is brought to us by Drew Estate. They good. Mm. Mm. Uh, so, Drew Estate, so on, I think it was, it was funny because last Thursday uh, we did a News of the Week edition of Cigar Chat where Jason and I just kind of hang out, smoke a cigar, have a couple drinks, and talk about what's been going on in the world with of cigars and uh answer some viewer questions and chico ray who's a a longtime viewer of the show he asked what we thought about the liga pravada tins and we talked about that a little bit the very next morning i got the email from drew estate oh, the the press release, that they uh they actually have shipped out they're actually on shelves everywhere now um so chico just kind of slipped in right before they told everybody that they were out there um and on, I think it was on Saturday, I was watching the kids play outside and I smoked one of those Liga Nine Cornets. Man, they, like, they, there's so much more flavor than I expect to be in a 4x32, like, little short filler guy. And if you can find those, go get them. They're going to be selling like hotcakes, I think. And they're affordable as hell, man. I mean, 10, right? 10 to a 10. And mm-hmm. MSRP is about 24, 25 bucks. MSRP is twenty five dollars. Chico said yeah. last week he he like so the day before they officially even launched them uh, in the market, 
I mean, they'd actually launched them previously, as everybody knows, but blah, blah, blah. Um, but before they had told everybody they were even available, which is typically when you're only going to get stuff for MSRP, Chico got a 10 for 2150 Wow. That is a killer steal. For 10 League of Nines. That's a good deal. Um, and the, they're going to last you. I was surprised by how long it lasted. I was telling, I was saying last week how they're kind of quick smokes. Uh, it wasn't as quick as I remembered it. It was about 25, 25 minutes. Yeah. Which is a good length for cigar that costs you a little over two bucks and I, I bet the flavor is really on point too right it is so the thing with the so the thing that i have to warn people about i feel like with the flavor of those is it doesn't taste exactly like a liga nine because it's short filler you can't get that progression that yeah. you get in a normal liga nine but it's got all those core flavors and everything that your palate is kind of looking for with the liga nine um just the 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 profile doesn't change through the thirds which I mean, for two dollars cigar, I'm totally fine with that. Dude, that's that's a kit for a Liga. Period. That is a steal. Yeah, exactly. They good. Go go get they, them. I'm getting I'm getting some after this weekend. I'm going out. I'm, I'm gonna find some. I hope I can find some. You're gonna hunt some down. Absolutely. All right. So now I'm tasting my Brugal 1888 again. Man, it's got it's so it's such a complex rum. Um, like it starts off with so much sweetness, and then it goes to like the uh, kind of oakiness the woodiness from the bourbon barrels and then it finishes with like almost a spice on the tongue like a, mm. a baking spice kind of flavor it reminds me of like uh gingerbread cookies kind of i vaguely remember um i got some nutmeg notes on it mm. yeah that's kind of one of those baking spice yeah notes that i'm talking about i have a hard time placing the exact notes but um nutmeg is a a perfect descriptor for what I'm calling baking spice. And you're absolutely right too. That that progression of of different profiles for you know from first sip to, to finish on the palate is is spot on. It is really complex. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a rum, but it's a rum with some really serious body and personality to it. Yeah. So as I've as I've talked about before, um, growing up, I was never. I mean, I say growing up, but in in the first. 10 years of my drinking life, I I didn't consider rum my thing. I didn't like rum because I I was used to like four-year-aged rum kind of. Captain know, two, Morgan. Four-year-aged rum. Um, a dark rum is like Captain Morgan or mm-hmm. um, I'm trying to think what else. Like I, I had actually had. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. A good example, I mean. Um, <laughs> the example that comes to mind is I was at a bar in the Caribbean and um, just for people who aren't aware, I've, I've been smoking cigars since uh, my like very early 20s, like since I, I think I was 20, maybe 21 when I started. Uh, and we would we went like on our honeymoon. We were in the Caribbean. Um, so this was eight years ago. And I ordered a uh, Havana Club Dark, which was Havana Club 3. And I was like, yeah, I guess I just don't like rum. And it was because I was drinking rum that was meant to be mixed with Coke, uh, <laughs> which I didn't know at the time. But now I know better. And uh, like this is a, a, the kind of rum that if you had given it to me then, I would have been like, this is the weirdest bourbon I've ever had. <laughs> it, it just it doesn't have that profile yeah. that I used to associate with rum. And so I guess what I'm saying is if you're if you're like I was and you don't drink much rum, um, explore your horizons a little bit. I think you'll be impressed with what rum has to offer. Oh, definitely. I mean, I, I was the same, exactly the same way. Uh, Florida Kanye completely changed my perspective yeah, that, on rum. Exactly. That's the one that changed it. Florida Kanye 7, which isn't, I mean, it's not an old rum. That's their version of a mixing rum, basically. Yeah. And Florida Kanye 7 knocks every other, like, rum in the $20 price point out of the water in my opinion. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Totally agreed on that. And I've given it to people and they've thought that it was a bourbon before, which is saying a lot. It's got a lot more complexity than you're probably used to. So if, if you haven't had it, go, go try some Florida Kanye seven. And I'm certainly the Havana back. club. Absolutely too. Yeah. The Havana club seven is the one that I would start with. Though um, the, the Cuban, I guess we should, we should, uh, clear yeah, that up. The, the Cuban, not the American Havana club. Yeah. They, they have Puerto Rican Havana club on the market now. Uh, that is basically it's basically Bacardi, yeah, uh, and it's made to mimic the Havana Club three year, which is neither the light or the dark is that great. They're both, um, I mean, it, it actually says on the bottle that it's like 
something like mix this with cola for the perfect, uh, what do they call it? Puro sabor. No. <laughs> what do they call that cocktail? What, the rum and Coke? Rum and Coke. What do they call it? Oh, uh, oh God, I don't remember. I don't remember what it's called. Oh, I, I don't, I don't order them, so I don't, it's not Cuba a thing Libre. that I, Cuba Libre, there it is. It yep. says on the bottle that it's perfect for a Cuba Libre, which is saying a lot. Like, if you're saying on the bottle, mix this with something, um, you probably don't want to drink that straight. And I've had it Actually, straight, all sugar, it's not great. I had a lot of those in Cuba. Now, now that I'm going back to it, I had a lot of those in Cuba and mojitos, but that's pretty much it. Well, yeah. I mean, so th- that's the thing is Havana Club 3 is perfect for – thank you, Bob. Bob Lang made – he had it in the comments. It just popped up because we're on kind of – there's kind of a de- like a 15-second delay between us. Um, and uh, you're totally right, Bob. It was Cuba Libre. But those kind of rums are made for like a mojito or a Cuba Libre or something mixed where you're getting the sweetness and the alcohol from the rum, but you're not getting any complexity from it. Um, And Havana Club 7, if you're going for Havana Club, if you're traveling the world and you want to come home with a bottle of decent rum for 20 bucks, get Havana Club 7. We went on a tangent there. And Chico Ray's just checking in to say hey before the show. He he didn't have a chance. What's up, brother? Thanks for watching, Chico. We appreciate. It. We were just talking about. Uh, we were just talking about you a couple minutes ago. Go back and watch to find out why. <laughs> so I'm going to take a couple sips of my gentleman Jack here. And before I do, actually, I'm noticing I'm kind of getting into because of the size of the band. It's hard to call this the final third. Um, it's really like halfway through the second third. The sweetness is starting to fall off. Uh, the leather and the earth are starting to pick up a little bit. I've noticed that, and I've actually noticed. Um... For me, the black pepper is really popping. Yeah. The, the pepper cigar, notes are really coming out. Um, it it has a interesting difference between a lot of peppery cigars. Most cigars start off peppery, and then it slowly fades. This cigar, the pepper hasn't really let up. It's it's stayed pretty peppery. And I like it. I mean, for me, I'm, I always love peppery cigars, whether it's pepper forward or pepper on the back end. In this case, man, I'm satisfied the whole way through. And I've... I've you know, I smoke pretty quick, but I'm kind of the very final, final little bit. Yeah, you're 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 a little bit into the final third. Oh, I just realized too the band. Um, I don't know if tell me what you think. So looking at the band, I get this like Firestone Walker essence with the oh, colors. Oh, I know what you mean. And now right? that I'm looking at it, I'm noticing the slightly different font in in La L A. It's a slightly different size oh, yeah. font. It is. Than Vencedora, which is interesting. Um, and like I said before, I I really like the silver, black, and kind of... Uh, I don't know if the camera will pick it up. Yeah, it's picking it up. Um, so when it focuses here, eventually. I really like the gunmetal kind of background on the Villiger portion of the band. It's... Uh, there we go. It feels very, like, very gentlemanly. Which, I guess yeah. for the pairing, it makes sense. Gentleman Jack with a gentlemanly cigar. I'll go with that. Yeah, and um, I think a lot of people have been sleeping on Villiger for a couple of years mm. because, um, you know, they didn't have as many new offerings in, like, they didn't have a single new offering in the last few years except ex- with the exception of 2017. And I think the, like, the combination of having the Florida Inkland and then the Vencedora, um, they're they're on the right track here. Yeah. Oh, Definitely. So I wanted to bring up another fun fact about Jack Daniels. Just uh, I, I didn't know this. I just found this out, too. I thought it was pretty cool. So Jack Daniels comes from a – or it's sold in a dry county. Oh, yeah. I, I I didn't put that in my notes because I know that off the top of my head and I forgot <clears throat> to mention it. Which um, is, is crazy, right? Considering the, the amount of warehouses that they have. But it's – I know. They um, have – well, I don't understand the math behind this, but from – an article that I was reading said that they have 87 warehouses with a million gallons each, equaling almost a billion gallons. Which, if my math is correct, that's about 87 million gallons, which is not even close <laughs> to a billion. So I Maybe think whoever they have wrote underground that underground layers wrong. could be, but um, I mean, it sounds like a lot. It is a lot but for sure. Either way, they've got a ton of whiskey there. So Dry County, Lynchburg, Moore County, um, and the weird thing is, technically, they can't sell alcohol. But when you go there, if you visit. I haven't been, but if you visit, uh, you can buy a commemorative bottle, you know, commemorative, just the bottle. You're only paying for the bottle, technically. 
but it just happens to be filled. So, oh. <laughs> yeah, that's that's absolutely. It's a weird. True. It's such a weird. I haven't thing. been there either, but that's what I've heard is that you can buy a bottle there. Um, that you're buying the bottle, not not the contents of the bottle. The contents of the bottle, they're not legally allowed to sell you. <laughs> but unfortunately, they can't find any bottles that don't have that contents. In them. This um, is like so when I order when I order whiskey from from the UK or overseas in general for the customs thing. Yeah. I always write, I always say collectors glassware. That's it. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> and so another really interesting thing about them being in a dry county, they in the last couple of years, I think it was it might have been 2015 or 2016. Um, they actually got a some sort of license that was a a legal exclusion where they're not allowed to sell you any whiskey legally they can sell you a commemorative bottle that unfortunately is filled to the brim with whiskey (laughs) Um, unfortunately but they have a some sort of legal exclusion where they're actually allowed to sell you uh tastings so they're allowed to do like a a tasting as part of a tour that's like a jersey thing jersey breweries are the same way you can go and you can taste you can't get a full pint, not really. Some places you can, but generally you could only do like little tastings. Mm-hmm. But they have to give you a tour first, at least in Jersey. That's the whole thing. It's funny because, Weird. like in Oregon, it's it's so the opposite. Um, like they'll give you a tour, but only if you really want it. But they'll sell you a beer, no problem. <laughs> I don't mind the tours. I love seeing everybody set up. I think it's so cool. Um, so a really cool thing. This is completely off off topic, um, but it came up naturally so i have to talk about it so the rogue brewery which i've i've expressed my dislike for rogue before yeah i think we're (laughs) on the same page there um i mean they make mediocre beer and they don't treat their people all that well from what i've heard and um oh they're very pricey i've had less than great service from the restaurants and stuff but uh at their at their main brewery which is in newport oregon it's on the coast of oregon um it's really nice. It's kind of on the edge of this tiny little bay. Like it's a little bay, and then there's a bridge that crosses, and they're right under the bridge. Uh, you have to walk between kettles to get to the restaurant, which is really cool. Oh, like nice. they've got okay. fermenters and kettles all over the place, and you have to walk through the brewery. And they've got like a little, like a police line kind of like velvet rope thing, just leading you to where to go. But it's cool that you have to walk through the brewery to get to the restaurant. Um, not only does it have like that that feel of uh, I'm not supposed to be here because it kind of is like I could just turn this dial and all your beer will oh, yeah. fall out onto the floor. Um, but it you know it smells fantastic in there. It's pretty cool. Um, I'm surprised by how many people are out there that that love beer that have no idea what it smells like when it's being made and that are really yeah. surprised by the smell of it. And here, if you're if you're having lunch at this place with your kids, you know what beer smells like when it's being made um it's pretty cool uh we've got a couple of comments here one from matt ross that i'm not going to read because it's got dirty words in it um but he wants to know when he can be a guest on sop again uh we'll have you we'll have you on in a couple weeks how about that we'll do uh yeah we'll do a beer pairing chico ray wants to know what we think about the barn smokers and if either of us will be at the one in pennsylvania so i'm trying to figure out i uh I really want to make it to one of the barn smokers this year. I made it to the Connecticut barn smoker last year. Uh, I just, I, I grew up in Connecticut and I happened to be there the weekend of for something completely unrelated. And it was like, why don't I stay an extra day and go to the barn smoker? So I did, um, this year I'm trying to figure out which one is going to work the best for me. I really want to go to the Florida barn smoker, but I don't know if I can make that one work. Cause that one's coming Come up to real Pennsylvania, quick. man. Let's do it. Uh, Let's make it happen. Yeah. I, I I may or may not be at the Pennsylvania or Connecticut barn smoker. And if I, I do, I'm sure Dennis will be there. Oh, I, I want to make it out to Pennsylvania. Absolutely. That's that's my goal. So uh, I'll probably be there. The Pennsylvania one's the new one, which I think would be really yeah. cool to see where it could be fun. Uh, where Pennsylvania broadleaf is grown in Lancaster. And Matt Matt Ross says Connecticut barn smoker is the best. Connecticut barn smoker was, was a blast. Um, it's a little different than I expected it to be. Like it's more of a it's more of a giant hearth that happens to have a bunch of activities involving <laughs> cigars. Um, Cause it's, it's really just hanging out with a bunch of people and meeting people and smoking cigars. Um, but then they have like those, it's, it's pretty cool. It's, I mean, for 
the way to explain it to somebody like Dennis, who's been on Cigar Safari, is it's a mini Cigar Safari. It's Cigar Safari okay. in like three hours. So they have stations set up. So you go and you learn about the tobacco seeds, and then you learn about the, um, you know, the uh, what do they call them when they plant them? The seedlings. Oh, the little seedlings. You learn about how they grow in the field and how they cultivate the field, and then you learn about uh, how they how they cure it in the curing barn and everything. So it's cool because it's like it's that whole half a day that we do on Cigar Safari, um, but condensed a little bit. And I mean, and another cool thing is the people who are explaining each station. You've got Pedro at a station. You've got Willie Herrera at a station. You've got JD at a station. And then you've got the people who actually run the farm doing a station. It was really cool. Um, if if I'm not sure which ones are sold out and which ones aren't. They're probably all sold out by now. But if they're not, and you haven't been, and there's one within driving distance of you, you should go. Uh, I don't know what the cost of all of them is. I think the cost is about ninety bucks each. Some of them. Uh, I think so. Yeah. I know the Connecticut one is ninety bucks. You get way more than ninety dollars worth of cigars, and then you get to go hang out with a bunch of cool people. Awesome people, absolutely. Willie, JD, man, Pedro, great people, and they will talk your ear off for hours. If you let them, which is awesome. Anything you want to know about tobacco, about cigars, about the process, they will tell you. Mm-hmm. Very accessible. And Matt Ross says he might he might be going to the Pennsylvania smoker. We'll go together with carpool, man. Let's do it. Do it. Yeah, the the barn smokers are a blast. I'm I'm really hoping I can make it out to one. The problem is like you know for me it turns into a whole like getting a hotel and getting flights. It's a long way for me to go. Well, I live in Jersey, but you know. I'm going to try to saying. Still, you can drive. If I could drive nine hours and go to one of them, I'd be there. But the problem is, I have six to hours. fly for yeah, six hours. Know. You know, maybe somewhere around a thousand bucks. It, it ends up. Yeah, being a it's whole not cheap. Spend. It's not cheap. You're right. Um, but back to our pairings. We've gotten way off track here, talking. <clears throat> you know, answering these uh, these hooligans in the chat <laughs> or in the comments, answering their questions. What's Let's your favorite pairing tonight? I think it was actually the Gentleman Jack. I think they kind of nailed it. Really? Okay. It's got that little bit of funk on the finish, but I feel like the sweetness of it and the, uh, I'm looking at the bottle and I don't want to say it, but the mellowness of it, like how it's, it's very friendly. It's, it's a, a very, very subdued friendly. Jack Daniels. Um, yeah, it's like, um, it's like if, if you had a regular Jack Daniels and you took a sip and then it gave you a hug, it's just like <laughs> a gentler version of Jack Daniels. It is gentle. You're right. Uh, I'm struggling. Uh, you know, Jack Daniels from the very beginning was on point with this cigar. And I finished mine already. But if I had some more, guaranteed it would fit really well with the final third of the cigar. But at the same time, I have to say this cider is, I think it's going to be my winner for tonight. The, the the Lost Tropic from Graft. The grapefruit notes are just killer. And they balance the cigar so well without taking away from the cigar. And for me, that's a killer pairing. Yeah. Um, and I, I should mention my other pairings, at least the death by coconut. I adore this beer. It is not the right choice for this cigar. It's the sweetness overpowers the cigar entirely. Um, and because it's weird cause the cigar is fairly strong flavored and the cigar covers up a lot of the fruity flavors of the beer, like the coconut and the chocolatey flavor. Um, you end up just getting hops and sweet hops and pure sugar from the beer um and then the 1888 i feel like it's overrunning the cigar just a little bit i feel like that's the problem with it is that it it's not that it's a bad pairing it's that it's kind of a strength mismatch the cigar is not quite strong enough to stand up to the the brugal and uh i should mention tomorrow night we don't have a guest for for cigar chats we're calling it off for now because we had news of the week last week um (laughs) And our guest for last week fell, th- or our guest for next week rather, fell through. Um, so we're, I'm working on rescheduling that, and there's a possibility we might have him on tomorrow, but I don't think so. I think it's going to be a couple weeks. Um, so I'm looking for a last minute guest for next week, so you guys don't have to go two weeks without a show. But I'll let you know what happens with that. Any other closing comments on the cigar or your pairings, Dennis? I really like the cigar. Period. First Me one too. I've ever had. Really like it. Yeah, we we uh, I think we need. I think this is a cigar that's begging for a group review because I think we're going to get mm. some slightly varied opinions on it. Definitely, definitely needs a group review. Um, 
So we'll we'll work on that. We'll have that in a couple weeks, I'm sure. Uh, thank you, everybody, for watching. Of course, thank you to all of our podcast listeners for listening. Um, if you're watching out there on YouTube, we appreciate it. Give us a thumbs up, or um, I think there's still thumbs up, right? Uh, subscribe, a like, and a heart. like, heart, subscribe, thumbs up, upvote, whatever the thing is. Do it. We appreciate it. Uh, thank you for watching or listening. Uh, we'll be back next week with a brand new episode of Sharing Our Pairings. And remember, here at Sharing Our Pairings, we want you to drink better, but what do we want them to do, Dennis? And get it we right. Want you, we want you to drink less. We want you to drink less. Absolutely.